We're concluding a stewardship sermon series this morning as we've been looking about who we, who we are as a church, but also looking to the mission statement of our new denomination that we're to be a people who, who worship passionately, who love extravagantly, and then we're turning to Acts 16 this morning to see that we are all called to worship and witness boldly, excuse me, witness boldly. Not, not just through the ministries of our church, and we've been blessed to see that, uh, to be able to see people who are saying yes to Jesus for the first time or making a recommitment to Christ, but also seeing in Paul's ministry, how is it each of us in our everyday life can be about this work, can be about this call in our lives to share uh, the gospel. Um, now, when I talk about this, I know some of us might already be turning this word off. If I were to ask you, I want everybody to raise your hand who's knocking it out of the park in your personal evangelism, okay? I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you're just irritated by how many people are coming to Christ because of your personal testimony. It's just getting out of hand, Lord, right? And so when we talk about this, we automatically just push back and say, that's for somebody else, but I saw on social media uh, this week or week before somebody from our community just saying, I, I've got to figure this out. When it comes to personal evangelism, I've just got to figure this out. I feel it in my bones. We all have a call. We may feel unworthy of it. Maybe we've got to do some work to get equipped. Maybe we need to be more strategic, but all of us, all of us can share Jesus Christ. Praise God, he's allowed all of us to be a part of that kingdom work. No matter how inadequate we might feel, we're all called. You heard Corey pray it this morning, and we talk about it all the time, Acts 1.8. Jesus is assembling those disciples just before his ascension and saying, you're gonna go. You're gonna go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and really to the ends of the earth. And we've said together as a church family, we are gonna minister in our backyard, Madison, but he's called us to ministries in the metro area. We're expanding that. But also to Mississippi. We're continuing to expand that. But also something more. Would you can, and we're expanding that this year too. How can we as a church family be a part of that fourfold ministry that Christ commissions to his disciples? But also to remember Acts 1.8. I'm going to give you my power for this. And you shall be my witnesses. You shall be. This is something I'm believing in you, calling it as though it already is. If you look at the verb tense there, all of us have that call upon our lives. And one other thing before we dive into the notes. You would think a preacher would preach on Acts 17. If you're going to say witness boldly, you go, you go to the Mars Hill store. You go where you've got the Acropolis just hundreds of yards away that Paul could have seen it when he goes there to argue with the men of Athens. And I get that. That certainly would have been a risky thing to do. But as I think about risk and as I think about things that are scary. I wonder sometimes if that's not as scary as other things. Now again, it can be scary to just randomly go to a group and share your faith. It was the summer of 1983. I'd just become a Christian and I went to a Holy Spirit conference in uh, somewhere in Georgia. I can't remember the city, but we went to this Holy Spirit conference and it was amazing. Amazing times of worship. It's the first time I'd heard Christian punk rock. That was pretty cool. Uh, and great workshops. And I remember one of the workshops, 
was a guy named Buddy Leach. Uh, and I remember going to that workshop and he did a whole hour on strategy for evangelism. And as a young Christian, I'm just lapping this up. Yeah, this, do this, think about this, pray for this, got it. He said, come back, I got part two tomorrow. So I went back the next day, right? No, I didn't go back the next day. You know what the next day was? Practice. We're gonna just go walk the town and everybody we're gonna see, we're gonna ask them, how, how are things going with your soul? And I chickened out. I chickened out. That kind of cold call, right? Some of y'all have done evangelism explosion going door to door. Man, that kind of cold call, that just as a young Christian, maybe I could write it off. I'm an introvert. Maybe I could write it off. I'm a new Christian. Hey, we're going. Uh-uh. I'm not doing that. But I'll be honest. Over the years, to me, that's... I. I'm always looking for stuff. If I'm traveling or out, I have no, that's not as risky for me anymore. I'll travel, I'll put a Christian book out, and I'll hope somebody asks me a question. You know what's scary? My family. You know what's scary? Is my friends. To risk there and to be able to say a word. Um, that's where, especially, it can get hard for us. Maybe, maybe it's because of a, the approval of addiction that we all have. I don't want to say a word to friends. I don't want to be on the outs. Look, Thanksgiving dinner's tough enough for me to actually say a word the Lord's been asking me to say. That's just that. I, 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 we can just let fear get in the way. Inadequacy, I don't want to be holier than thou. And so, like I did, I just chickened out, and maybe you have to. But you're called. We're all called. The Lord will empower us and he will help us to risk because it is risk. When you even talk about the word witness, it, the, one, of the, one of the root part of the understanding of that word is what word? Anybody remember? Martyr. Came up on my feed this week or the church's feed, whoever we follow on Twitter or X, the this, this story of the 26 uh, Japanese Christians who went to their death in 1597. Uh, they were marched there over time, and I just get to the end of that story, just reading that account of the 13-year-old who said, all he had to do was renounce. All you have to do is renounce. I will not do that. Show me my cross. And the report said some ran to their crosses, and some just, just embraced them, knowing they were about to meet Jesus, but they were standing for their faith. We had prayed back in September. Uh, I have, always have to be careful because we're online, but we had prayed for a North African uh, ministry, and we had prayed for, for, if you remember, there were some being put on trial because of their faith. And we have family members here, and pe church members who have family members doing that ministry. And so we had prayed, and the Lord freed people from there. But one of the people who was in the midst of that has seen a cousin get interested in the gospel, come to the gospel, announce that, and uh, uh, a male figure, a father figure, uh, beat up both of them, uh, broken bones. And the response of that cousin, I believe, can't wait to get baptized after that. Risk. It is risky. I know that. To share the gospel, especially in a culture that doesn't want to hear it, a culture that says, don't put your stuff on me. You look at Paul's life, just go to the next verse. 
You go to the next story in this, because of what happens with this possessed slave girl, Paul's going to pay a price. Jail is coming now, and it's coming later for Paul. Yes, it's risky. Uh, we understand that. We know that. Whether it's pushing through our own stuff or, the, or stuff that's going to come to us. But what we get here is three stories in Acts 16. We're only going to look at one of them, of what can happen when we step out and we share faith. So if you're following along in your notes, I'm going to give you four quick words. Uh, the first of those would simply be to back up to the previous verses, 6 through 10, and that's spirit-led. Whatever we're to be about, we want the Lord to lead that and to be in the middle of it. I don't, I don't know that you have to do the Buddy Leach ministry. Trying to make up excuses why I chickened out. Uh, you don't have to go and just grab everybody. But Lord, make my heart sensitive. Is it today? Make my heart sensitive. Is it this one? Is it now? Uh, you look here. Paul wants Asia badly. I've, I've seen all the toy commercials now. Kids are making their Christmas list. I've shared with you before just the Sears wish book from when I was growing up. Oh, I wanted the Micronauts and the $6 million man figure, the evil Knievel motorcycle. Still haven't gotten that, Mom. But anyway, I wanted those things. Paul wanted Asia badly. What do you read in 6 through 10? No. Spirit says no. Blocked. And then we're given a vision of Macedonia. And what does Paul do in verse 10? Immediately is the word. He immediately goes. All we want is the leading. All we want is the timing of God when it comes to evangelism. Paul won't go where he's not led. And he will go wherever he is uh, directed. And listen, some of the pressure's off here. We have to be available. We have to be equipped. But look at verse 14. Who does this work anyway? It's the Lord. It's not you having to talk somebody into the faith. We live well before others. We love them well. We look for those opportunities. We get equipped and know the questions that they're asking so we can have answers. But it's the Lord who is going to do that work and then we just get to be a part of it so first principle here when we see about witnessing boldly with Paul it's got to be spirit led what is this what is the spirit calling you to do who is he calling you to and we'll talk about that in a minute second word verse 13 is strategy they went to a place of prayer in this city full of idolatry. They couldn't even get apparently 10 Hebrew men together because that's what you've got to have to have a synagogue. So the best we can do for God-fearers, God-followers, is get just a group together for a place of prayer. And wherever we're going to do that, it's typically going to be by a river, it's going to be by a sea, because we're going to do the ritual of hand-washing for worship. So we got to get near water. And Paul says, let's get there. In a place full of idolatry, if we can find a place of prayer, they're open to the one God. Those people are asking the right questions. They're following the one God. And so there's a certain strategy to what he does. Where are those places where you know people are hungry or people are asking questions? Paul was strategic in going to the place of prayer. And the key place of ministry, the key place where we see people come to saving faith is where? It's home. 
heard Pastor uh, Dr. Ligon Duncan uh, preach on this recently, uh, former pastor at First Pres of Jackson. It's, that's where like 80, 90% of ministry happens is at home. And it's why we've kind of shifted some of our, our, our equipping here at church. We're still going to have events where we call students to faith and call kids to faith. We're still going to go through the Bible three times in a child's life from K through sixth grade. You bet. Uh, but what, what we've wanted to do over the recent years is, is to equip me and to equip you for home. Uh, whether it's the five-minute family weekend we did recently, uh, whether it's kids buy, look, look, can I tell you? It's a lot of money to buy three Bibles for kids at different points, right? I gotta make budget. We want you to be able to read that Bible to your children at their age-appropriate level, so we do it. Because that's where so much of the ministry happens. Yes, it happens in our, through our VBS volunteers. My child, one of my children came to Saving Faith at VBS. But most kids are catching the faith at home. That's why we have some of these catechisms. I've got 10 free ones. Church, you can go get them. Hidden in the heart. They're at the children's resource desk. Don't steal anything else for free. But I just put those out this morning and we can get more. But how do we pass on the faith? If you need help with Right Now Media, we've purchased that for our church family, videos, Christian music, devotionals. How is it? Praying with your children, that's where so often the rubber meets uh, the road. And so you look here, it's not just a place of prayer, but the whole household was baptized. When mom gets saved or dad gets saved, matter of fact, if dad's the first one to get saved, 90% of the time, children will come uh, to saving faith. Uh, so the importance of parents and grandparents, as well as Sunday school teachers, Wednesday night workers, VBS, yes. Uh, but how important it is to do that. Listen, I get it. You've got so much on you today. If you're a parent or a grandparent, I get it. The activities... I thought at one point I was smart until I had to help with third grade homework. The stuff they learn now is above where I was, right? And some of you moms know you did the science project, you know, for your kid or did a lot of it. We're busy with the schedules and schoolwork is crazy. Um, but to find that time to talk to Corey, talk to Renee, how is it? we can help you in your ministry at home because that's the strategy here for Paul. I'm going to go to people who are talking about the Lord and I might have an opportunity to share. We intentionally placed ourselves there, but also we just see the impact of family. And I know we just feel inadequate on that, so let us help you on that because that so often is where the Lord works. Spirit-led strategy. And then this third word, verse 13, is is just to speak. Paul is clear with the church in Rome, faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Um, and listen, it is, it's critical that you and I earn that right to speak by how we live, that we have loved extravagantly, that we've lived a life uh, that speaks of Jesus' character, Right? So we want to live that life, but living that life usually is not enough. 
Hey, I've seen how you live. I'm going to say yes to Jesus. No, I need to know about Jesus. I need to know the plan of salvation. I need to know why I need to repent of my sins. And so Paul speaks. You see it here and throughout his ministry. He shares and faith comes uh, by hearing. Um, And if you're looking at your notes there, there's some reminders. In 2019, we went through a sermon series called Becoming a Contagious Christian. And we looked at six styles of evangelism. And maybe you have all six. Maybe you have one. And maybe you need to grow in whatever that is. But it's serving. This culture, I heard an apologist say years ago, this culture listens with its eyes. So there is something right about you serve because you were served by Christ, Mark 10, 45. But I'm telling you, until the church rolls up its sleeves and serves well, this culture just this culture would think we're irrelevant. They've got to see the serving church. Interpersonal, serving, interpersonal. Some of you just are great at building relationships. Invitational. They tell us now where we live that about half or more of people would come if we would just simply say, hey, come to church with me and then we're going to lunch afterwards. Um, Confrontational. You see Paul's going to do that in Acts 17. Men of, of, of Athens intellectual. Some of you are blessed to be able to just talk about apologetics, why we believe, to always have a defense for why you believe. Or maybe you need to get sharper in that. And I'd love to resource you on that. You've got friends who are asking those, those kinds of questions. But testimony. This is who I was before I met Jesus. This is how I met him. And this is who I am now. We looked at those six styles. Those sermons are up on our website if you want to go back through those and continue to grow in and how you, you, you share your faith. But looking at your notes real quick, just some reminders there about that. We share the, our faith with those that we know, but sometimes there's opportunities to think through and be creative and strategic. Who are those people that you used to know? You've already done life with them. You've already built a bridge with them. You've already earned trust with them. Who are those people that you could share the gospel with from your past? Now listen, don't let your past stop you from doing that. A couple of weeks ago when Sarah and I went to Decatur where she kind of every fifth year when they come back from Brazil, they do furlough there. Uh, We went and stayed in a house where she stayed and got to see family and friends and churches and all that good stuff. I mentioned on Facebook, hey, we're going to Decatur. Well, a friend from my past said, hey, I live there. Now, this is a guy that I did life with before I knew Christ. We played football together, basketball together, baseball together, in the trenches together, and uh, we both weren't Christians together. Now, I came to Saving Faith in high school, and he had to know of that because of some things that happened in high school. But we really didn't talk after high school. He immediately moved to Decatur. I saw him at the 10-year reunion. It was announced I was a preacher, and all I remember him saying is, really? (laughs) That's been eating at me for a long time because he knew me B.C. before Christ. (laughs) I'm in Decatur. We're going to lunch. Let me take you to lunch. And we had two-plus hours together. It was wonderful. And you always want to do this naturally and carefully, looking for ways to bring. But it, the door was open, and I was able to share my testimony again with him. And he's like, hey, next time you're coming back, we're all cooking out and hopefully going to keep talking together. 
But I'm telling you, it's kind of risky because he and I are a different race, different cultures, you know, and I want to overstep maybe there. or begin, Just, you know, he knew me before, and so I'm going to back off. My past is going to hold me back from talking about what Jesus has done in my life. Who did you use to know? You don't have to break in. There's no icebreakers there. You already have it. And so who might Christ be calling you uh, to share with? Um, and then lastly, who are those people you want to know? Paul just, I want to know these people here, and I'm going to just walk up in Acts 17, men of Athens. Uh, but how is it Christians were just not, on the whole, we're not building enough relationships with people who don't know Jesus. We just kind of cocoon. We kind of, because of the craziness of culture, the craziness of our schedules, we kind of just circle the wagons, right? I don't want my kids, I don't want anybody to be influenced. And so we just are so busy, and we've not, said hello to our neighbors. We've not connected with our coworkers, and faith comes by hearing. There are opportunities to speak. Once you've earned the right by showing that you love extravagantly and you've been living for Jesus, could there be an opportunity where you could actually speak it so somebody might ask questions? Somebody might even come to know the Lord. Again, the Lord does that saving work, but we've got to be ready to speak. Last thing, very quickly, verse 15 is he stays with her. This is a, I'll probably preach this someday in our Acts Pentecost series, so I'll just say for one minute, there is a great reminder to us in this that we're not to, like Jonah, say our five little words and maybe leave. But, but real ministry is to stay with people. We're not just to make disciples for the first time. We're, as we've said as a church, we're to build disciples. We do life with people. Hey, Barry told me to speak. I spoke. I got out. No, Paul routinely, you can do your homework there in Acts, routinely would stay a day or two or for a season with people to equip them. I heard a pastor say just a week or two ago on social media, our discipleship is not complete if it's just about my discipleship, my Bible studies, my worship, my serving in my church. Discipleship always has to witness. Our discipleship's not complete until we witness or share. But then if you think about it, it's not even complete then if you watch Paul. I've got to then share and take that disciples and deform them so that they become a disciple who grows in the faith, but ultimately they share. We're not just called to make disciples. We're called to really disciple, to walk with folks. And you see that here in Paul's life. She prevailed upon them. Stay here. It's the same word, those two on the road to Emmaus. This is a Luke word. Just constrain Jesus. Would you stay with us and talk with us? Will Christians care enough to stay? In the busyness and the frenetic pace of our culture, Will I do the work to care for somebody in pain? Will I do the work to disciple somebody who's young in the faith? Spirit-led, strategic, um, speak and stay. How is it we need to grow in this ministry that God's gifted to us? You shall have power and you shall be my witnesses. A people of God who worship passionately, love extravagantly, but witness boldly. Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for this model that we see throughout this chapter in Paul's life. Uh, no matter the risk, no matter his past, uh, he's looking to share you. Father, whatever we need to hear 
uh, this morning. Bless us in a response. If there are people we need to dream about, think about, who, who are those people I used to know, those people I do know, uh, who, I, who I need to get to know, convict us in that, point us to them. Father, help us not to be outside of your will and how we're going about doing this or where we're going. Make us sensitive to the leading of the Spirit, trusting that you will do the work. But Father, keep our minds on your son's kingdom work, that we would be careful as Paul was, whether it's a house of prayer, a place of prayer, a a family. Help us to see uh, the field that you've given to us and help us, no matter the risk, no matter our past, uh, to be able to share a word be able to share a word about the one who gave all for us. It's in his name that we pray this prayer. Amen. Our closing hymn of response is 452, Go Make of All Disciples. Let's stand together as we respond and as we sing.